Chapter Thirty of Living with Our Children by Claire D. Pearson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Self-sacrifice. Is it presumptuous to write anything regarding the unselfishness of parents, particularly mothers, when so many beautiful and tender tributes have already been penned to those who sacrifice themselves unquestioningly to their offspring? it would be if the purpose were but additional glorification of the sacrificial spirit but there is a less poetic and charming side to the question which seldom finds recognition on the printed page and which needs consideration in fact a great deal which passes for self-sacrifice is quite the opposite quality if it were not that so many charming and excellent women were deceiving themselves in regard to this to their own detriment and the infinite and permanent injury of their children it would be much pleasanter for us to accept with becoming modesty and deprecation the tributes of authors and friends and indulge in a little surreptitious conceit but only truth ever avails anything in the end and an unpleasant truth is a much safer companion than a pleasant untruth the central idea of sacrifice is the destroying or giving up of something for the sake of something else and if we cling to the definition and force ourselves to do a bit of clear thinking in regard to it we may learn something let us always make sure what that something else is for which we deny ourselves if we do this we are apt to make some astonishing discoveries there is no more appealing and pathetic glimpse of motherhood than that suggested by the weary woman in the background of luke fields's picture the doctor we who have watched night after night with sick children while other members of the family slept sweetly in their comfortable beds because they must work on the morrow and be where there was no hope of snatching a compensating nap no self-sacrifice pure and simple in such service we give all for the children's health yet there was a mother whose twelve-year-old son had a penchant for green apples with the result that year after year she had had campaigns of wakefulness and concern on his account when her broken nights had to be followed by busy days while the little sinner remained home from school and dozed through a luxurious convalescence. then she came to her senses for what was she sacrificing herself the lad would indulge in forbidden fruit again as soon as the memory of his pain should become slightly dulled so she turned over a new leaf my son she said it is not fair that i should be disturbed by illness caused by your disobedience after this when your foolish eating makes you ill i shall expect to sleep on undisturbed if you think heat would lessen your pain you can start a fire in the kitchen heat your water and fill your own hot water bag but you must be very quiet about it so as not to awaken any one else he had one such solitary night of suffering as she had foreseen she chanced to waken and heard him stealing softly about but she kept still and when morning came merely remarked that he had managed very well and did not modify the effect of her ruling by undue sympathy or praise 
neither did she permit him to remain away from school he was always able to resist the seductions of green apples after that she had been stepping in between cause and effect in helping him combat the pain which he so richly deserved to suffer she had not been doing her real duty she had been mistaken in her conception of duty and during that wakeful night when she lay still she found that her nights of nursing had really been the easier her true sacrifice came in letting him suffer alone sometimes we say i have not been a selfish mother i have gone without new things many times myself just so that my daughters could have the latest styles and hats and other dainties like the girls whose parents are wealthier than we it seems as though young girls want everything nowadays is that self-sacrifice or is it unrecognized self-indulgence may it not be a mixture of pride in seeing the girls take their place in a class where they do not really belong and a wish to avoid scenes which would ensue if they were denied when we get right down to the last analysis mothers have no right to dress their children beyond their station in life to do so is to lay the foundation for future trouble for both them and their parents they are very peculiar young people who do not have their period of conceit their time of thinking they know better than their parents during the teenage in some cases it is frankly outspoken in others it is merely the undercurrent which makes smooth sailing difficult even those who have been most amiable to reasonable guidance may decide that they know better than their seniors how to shape their lives of course the opinion does not prove the case but if in the years when they were smaller they found it possible to carry their point against the better judgment of their parents the years of adolescence become doubly difficult and dangerous if it is not checked at the outset the tendency to bring up their parents is apt to become almost unbearable better to meet it with smiling frankness as did one little woman the morning after her son had been given her numerous pointers on dress deportment and personal affairs in general she listened without comment while his youthful annoyance spent itself and merely said well i will think this over the next day after breakfast when a night's sleep and a good meal had presumably restored her son's poise she said now my son i have been considering the matters you were speaking about last evening i have considered them quite thoroughly i have decided that it will relieve your mind greatly if you do not have to feel yourself responsible for re-educating your mother i was educated once when i was young you know and although i am still conscious of imperfections which i try to remedy i have made a very fair success of life so far i have a satisfactory social position and many very loyal friends so far as i know i have never been severely criticized 
or regarded with disapproval by the people outside the home i have been successful as a self-supporting woman and as a homemaker i am no longer to be considered an experiment of course i appreciate your interest in me but and here she smiled mischievously i think i do not need your tuition or criticism if you feel like forming somebody's character along ideal lines i suggest you try a sixteen-year-old somebody who has not yet proved himself the sixteen-year-old before her looked bewildered indignant and was just about to settle into sulkiness when that twinkling smile appealed to his sense of humour he smiled both laughed there was a hearty shaking of hands as the little mother extended hers and then she ran away before there was a chance for the perfect moment to pass the boy might not have had the sense of humour he might have sulked for days what if he had he would have recovered ultimately if his mother had ignored his sulkiness and gone serenely about her own affairs and the tendency to criticize would have been checked it would have been worth while tired mothers weak mothers ignorant and misguided mothers shrink from the conflict of wills with their children even when they know themselves to be absolutely in the right it is not self-sacrifice but self-indulgence and they pay dearly for it in the end their children pay for it also and more dearly than their mothers because in their case it is character in the formative period which suffers they do not love their parents any more dearly for such weakness and they do not respect them so much there will always be ample chance for the real beautiful consecrated self-sacrifice of which poets sing we need to watch ourselves and guard against its dangerous counterfeit even if that watchfulness costs us some bad quarter hours which may be misunderstood for a while the outcome will be happiness and peace End of chapter thirty